Hi, ladies. Happy New Year. This is the first time. Well, no, actually, this is our first lesson or our first Bible study. It's more of like more of an exhortation and just a call to self-examination than a full on Bible study. And so that's kind of the way that the Lord has given it this to me. And so that's this is the way that I'm going to release this message for the month of January. First of all, let me just say the five nights of prayer was so extremely powerful. Um, prayerfully, we'll do it again as the Lord leads. But if not, I just know, no, no, that the, that the Lord moved and it was just just indescribable. And so we're going to talk about today the danger of idols. Oh, my God. Hallelujah. Glory. The danger of idols. And so, um, again, just something the Lord really impressed upon my heart. And I, there'll be some scriptures. And the whole goal is to leave you with the scriptures and so that we can all go back and just study the word of God for ourselves and allow the Lord to continue to speak to us through his word um, and even bring us to a place, again, of self-examination. Because we're going to look at idols by definition, we're going to look at the definition of an idol, you know, the worldly definition in terms of just the regular old, you know, definition from the dictionary. Then we're going to look at the biblical definition. Um, and so before we start, let's just get into a brief word of prayer. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Heavenly Father, Lord, we just worship and adore you, God. There's truly, truly, truly none like you god we have searched all over god we tried other things we tried other people yet lord we know that it is you and you alone god you're worthy of all the praise and honor god i pray you would use this exhortation and this message god that just bring us all to a place of self-examination god if there will be any idols in our hearts god that you would expose it expose it expose it god that there will be a time of repentance god um and a, and, and and a time of just us rededicating our, our lives to you and inviting you into our lives as Lord and Savior, giving you first place in our lives, God. So we thank you, Lord. We worship you. It is in your holy name that we pray. Amen. 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 So we're going to start. I'm going to start out by sharing a quote um, that I found just as I was just researching, kind of going before the Lord. Um, and it said, anything in the world that successfully competes with our love for God is an idol. Mm, anything. That means anything, anyone in the world that successfully competes with our love for God is an idol. Moms, wives, let me tell you, us, let me speak to us. Our spouses and our children, they can become idols, right? Because, and, and not even intentionally for some, but unintentionally. Um, because we love them so much and we want to make sure we're like showering them and like tending to their needs. And sometimes just naturally, right? Especially as women, we naturally, most of us are nurturers and we want to give our, give of ourselves completely to our children and to our spouses. But if we are not careful, we will allow our spouses and our children to hold the place in our hearts and in our lives that the Lord should hold. And so it's always God first, then our spouse, then our children. Right. And and, and if we're not married, then it's God first and then our children. So it's so critical. And I believe this is why the Lord sent this message. Um, and not just for moms and wives, but just for those who are single. 
as well. So we're going to talk about sort of what an idol, what the, the definition of an idol is and the danger of idolatry. So the definition of an idol, the Webster definition is just, it's an object of extreme devotion. That is the Webster definition of an idol, the object of extreme devotion. Now, the biblical definition coming from the Old Testament, because in the Old Testament is where we saw Israel's battle and, and continued or continual wrestle with having idols, with worshiping idols, with with creating these graven images. I mean, you, we saw that throughout the Bible. And so the biblical definition of an idol is an image or a statue that is regarded as equal to or greater than God. And then let's look at what idolatry means. Because again, this is what Israel was guilty of. They were guilty of continuing to practice idolatry. So they were idolizing and worshiping these graven images or these statues, but nothing new is under the sun. That means that even though that was 2000 years ago, we're still seeing the battle with believers idolizing um, certain things or certain um, possessions or people or even some things that we desire can become an idol in our hearts if we are not careful. So idolatry, according to Webster, is the worship of idols or excessive devotion <clears throat> or excessive devotion to, <coughs> excuse me, excessive devotion to or reverence for some person or thing. An idol is anything that replaces the one true God, anything, anyone. So it's excessive devotion or reverence for some person or thing, the worship of idols or excessive devotion. So when we look at um, idolatry, it dates back to the Old Testament. So the things that we battle with now as believers, it is not, they're not new challenges. They're not new struggles. It was literally the same struggles and challenges that that, that, that the people of Israel um, str uh, struggle with, or even in the New Testament in Acts, there's a lot of the different places where um, Apostle Paul went, they, they were bound by idolatry because they had these statues and they believed in like fertility gods and like they did all these sacrifices. And so the things that we see happening today in the church, it, it, let's just be reminded that if we're in our word, we know that it's nothing new. We can look to the Bible and look to scriptures to see examples, biblical examples of idolatry and even how the Lord responded to them, especially in the Old Testament. So idolatry dates back to the Old Testament. Right. And the Old Testament is when um, it's that when the Mosaic law was in effect. So it's prior to it's pre-crucifixion. Right. And so what we know about the people of Israel is that they were consistently inconsistent. And so so many of us struggle with that same um, that same challenge. Even now in our walk, we are consistently inconsistent. That means one day we're worshiping the Lord. The other day or the other time we're worshiping something or someone else. We're excessively devoting ourselves or reverencing something else that really replaces in our heart or takes the place in our hearts, the place that the Lord should have. So the people of Israel, but they were they were in that time. They were not worshiping like spouses and children. We know that they were worshiping or idolizing the statues and the graven images. And so um, they actually pursued false gods and they, they knew the true living God. The people of Israel, that's the God, that's the Lord's people. 
but they pursued false gods, offering their worship to carved images that held no power. And that's the thing. When we pursue and worship these idols, and sometimes it is like celebrities, sometimes it's material possessions, we have to understand that these things, they hold no power. They're not able to do anything for us. They don't complete us. They don't fill any void that the Lord fills. But yet sometimes we worship these different things and even people because we feel like, like our whole lives are wrapped around this thing or our whole lives are consumed by by um, a desire to have this house or a desire to be married. Our desire to be married can also become an idol. If we are excessive in our our worship of like being married, oh, I just want to be married, I just want to be married. If that's the only thing that consumes our heart and mind is being married, that has become an idol. Marriage is of the Lord, but to be obsessed over it and to allow the thought and the desire to consume us where it becomes something that is a constant, um, that we're excessively worshiping it or we're excessively like allowing it to thinking about it and marriage, 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 marriage. Then, Then when are we actually delighting ourselves and meditating on the word of God, seeking God in prayer and actually just resting in the Lord and just waiting? Because we can wait in expectation and not be excessively worshiping or idolizing marriage, right? It's okay to wait in expectation, but if we are, if we, if we look at ourselves as we're examining ourselves and we see that all of our words and our thoughts and our time and our efforts, it all goes into the the thought of marriage in our season of singleness, then we are missing the entire reason why we are still in a season of singleness. We're missing what God wants to do in that season of singleness, right? And so I want us to look at a scripture because again, we're going back to the people of Israel because I want to give some some historical context to idolatry, right? And then tie it to the modern day idolatry because again, we're talking about two different things. In the biblical we're talking about idolatry in two different ways, right? So in the early days, idolatry was carved images, engraven images and statues. Obviously, today, idolatry does, looks much differently, but it's still the same concept. And so what we see in, in from the history of Israel is we see a sad chronicle of idol worship. And then the Lord punished them for worshiping uh, false gods. And then the Lord will restore them and will forgive them. And then they will return back to idolatry. And so they were going in this circle and we don't want to go in this circle. We don't want to worship anything or anyone else and then have to repent to be restored and then go back right into the pattern of idolatry. We want the Lord to examine our hearts to make sure we have no person, place or thing that is taking the place in our hearts or lives that Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior deserves. And the people of Israel, they were God's people. He had an expectation that they would exclusively worship him. I mean, the Lord had showed himself mighty to the people. He showed himself to be the true and mighty God and the people still worshiped man-made images and statues. And so I want to look at a verse just to confirm what the Lord was saying in the Old Testament um, about idols. So in the book of Psalms, verses 15 through 18, The verses read, the idols of the nations are silver and gold made by human hands. They have mouths, but cannot speak, eyes, but cannot see. They have ears, but cannot hear, nor is there breath in their mouths. Those who make them will be like them, and so will all who trust in them. 
So the Lord through this psalm is letting us know that idols that are made by human hands, they are not powerful. They don't speak. They cannot see. They cannot hear us. Right. Right. So why would we want to? Why would they, the people of Israel, want to worship something that is made in silver and gold that is made by human hands when they had God who they could pray to? Right. They had God who through sacrifices and different things, they could they could um they could reach by way of just the different sacrifices but but why would they want to 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 turn to idols when they already had seen the power of the true and living God well that's a good question and I'm not sure that it is one that we could answer on this call but I can say we can answer it based on what we know about modern day idolatry and oftentimes we if we feel like um if we feel like you know, we, we, we don't have, um, if we feel like we're not getting what we need from the Lord or he's not answering our prayers, then sometimes we actually turn to people, people, places, and things. I don't know why the Lord's having me go in this direction, but people, places, and things that, that serve the purpose and bring the, the comfort and the peace and the validation that only the Lord can provide only the Lord can provide when we turn to any other our children cannot provide us with comfort and peace and joy yes they are so cute we love children I have a child but she does not come before God she does not come before God I have a husband now by the grace of God he does not come before God nor does he put me before God and that is something that we went into this marriage neither one of us where we already discussed that the place that we will we already knew what what it was before we got into this marriage because our desire is to keep God first and to keep Jesus Christ in the center of our marriage it is not to make one another um um idols and the object of our affection now of course we should love honor and for me I should obey him for him he should love honor in in um and respect you know me as his wife but there should not be any worship in excessive devotion. So he should not give me the place in his life that the Lord has. And I should not give him that place. First place in our lives and in our hearts is reserved for God and God alone. Right. And so this is supposed to this message is supposed to bring us to a place of self-examination and repentance if we find like oh my goodness this this person this thing my spouse the the job the 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 the, the possessions the the promotion the degree whatever it is you fill in the blank because you and the lord know whatever it is for us we we fill in the blank but then we just come to a place of repent we say god forgive me i i don't even know what happened lord and then we just um and then we seek the lord for forgiveness and the beautiful thing is that the lord as soon as we as for forgiveness with a really true repentant heart, um, then the Lord, he just, he forgives us just like that. I mean, he's not holding anything over our heads. We truly serve a merciful, merciful and gracious God. Because if we look back at the history of Israel again, we see that it is so sad how they just, they were punished for their idol worship. Then they were restored and forgiven. And then they went back to idolatry. But that tells us how sometimes if we're not, if, if a cycle is not broken, 
and a seed is not uprooted from the ground, that sometimes we'll be drawn back to things and people and places that the Lord has been trying to deliver us from. The Lord was trying to deliver them from a from from the spirit of idolatry, just like the Lord through this message wants us to come to a place of self-examination. And if we need to be delivered from idolatry, if that's something that is because it's a heart issue. So if that's something that is in our heart, then the Lord is using this as a call for us to self-examination. But unfortunately, the people of Israel, they would get it and they wouldn't get it and they would go right back in. So what I don't want us to do and I don't want the Lord, the Lord doesn't want us to do is to be in a cycle of idolatry or idolatrous behavior. We don't want to be in that cycle, right? Because we know that... um there were um, there was one major example of the people of Israel when they made the golden calf in Exodus. Right. I think we're all familiar with that. And that was something that was um, that was um, was really interesting. And it was in Exodus 32 when Moses was away for too long with the Lord. The, Ezra, the Israelites actually asked Aaron, who remained there to make them a new God. Right. They were frustrated. They were I mean, they, they were just really they were ungrateful. And so unfortunately, uh, Aaron, in his uh, I'm not sure, in his ignorance and his desire to please the people, he actually took their golden earrings and made a golden calf from them. And the golden calf was an idol that the people worship instead of the real God. Now, notice that it said when Moses, who's their leader, when he was away for too long. So that means their impatience, glory to God, their impatience created a space and an opportunity for them to look to create something else for them to worship instead of the real God. So sometimes in our our, our impatience and in, in, in our an inability to see the full hand of what God is doing in our lives, sometimes we'll turn to other things to fill a void in other things that could, could become an idol and other things that could consume us, fully consume our lives that really um, when the Lord should be the one that we delight ourselves in. And so if we are unclear. God commands us to serve and worship him and him alone. So when we look at the even the historical context, Israel was God's chosen people. God's covenant was Israel was based on exclusive worship of him and him alone. Let's look at Deuteronomy chapter five verses seven and eight, where he gave them the, the, the mandate. He said, you shall have no other gods before me. Little G gods, right? You shall not make for yourself a carved image, any likeness of anything that is in heaven above or that is in the earth beneath or that is in the water under the earth. You shall not bow down to them nor serve them. He had already explained to them that they should not have any other gods, right? Let's look at Exodus 20 verses three through six. The Lord says again, you shall have no God, other gods before me. Oops, sorry. Give me one minute, ladies. Yeah, let's look at verses five and six. He said, you shall not bow down to them or worship them for I, the Lord, your God, am a jealous God. He says, I'm a jealous God. I'm a jealous God. Now, when we think about jealousy in the sense of the way the Lord was using it, he was not using it in the way that we use it today. When we say that people have a spirit of jealousy upon them, it is because we we want 
um, we either want to to be um, we're, we're either like feeling or showing some kind of envy of someone or their achievements and their advantages. Obviously, that is not the way that the Lord is using the word jealous in here. He was a jealous God because God's covenant with Israel. Right. These are his people. It was based on exclusive worship of him. Him alone. The covenant with Israel was not based on them worshiping him part of the time and then having um, little G false gods the other part of the time. No. And the issue with Israel, they were constantly called to the carpet, as we would say. They were constantly challenged to choose who they would serve. Stop faltering between two opinions or in other words stop wavering stop going back and forth if you're going to if you're going to follow the false gods then go ahead right but then you know that you're cut off from from the true living god but if you're going to serve the true living god then serve him and him only because their covenant was based on exclusive worship of him alone now under the new testament we are god's people right engrafted in by way of the blood of jesus the the understanding in the requirement for us is to exclusively worship Jesus Christ. It is that's the requirement of us today. It is not for us to worship the Lord and then worship and idolize these people and these celebrities. And they, we have to be very, very careful. First John five twenty one says, "Little children, keep yourselves from idols." There are verses, a few verses that the Lord has given us. Again, it's biblical, and I love the word because when we're struggling with something, we can go to the word to see. Um, to, to see biblical examples and to see how God responds to um, idolatry. We can also see how how we can um, come out of certain things or how we can come out of idolatry and also the grace and the mercy of God. Even on the people of Israel, we see God's graciousness. We see God being a merciful God because he allowed them chance after chance, restoring them, forgiving them. Then they fall back, restoring them, forgiving them. He would punish them, punish them, punish them. And it's like a child who just doesn't understand. They're not getting it. They continue to rebel and we continue to forgive them. And yet they continue to do the same behavior that resulted in punishment in the first place. That is what it looks like when we continue to seek things and people that are outside of the one true God to fill a place in our heart that only Jesus Christ can. Oh, glory to God. So as I bring just this brief message to an end, and this is just a really brief, again, it's a call to self-examination. It, it's not a full-on Bible study. So the verses that were shared are just some of the verses from the Bible and scriptures that are on idolatry. There are others as well, but these are the ones that the Lord placed on my heart to share. But but as we just bring, as I just bring this message, this short message to a close, one, this is a call for us to examine ourselves to ensure that we do not have any idols in our hearts. And we can do that through prayer. We can ask the Lord to search me, O God, know my heart, try me or test me, know my thoughts, know my anxieties. God, see if there be any wicked or offensive way in me. Lead me down the path to everlasting life. God, if there's anything that I am idolizing, God, any person, any whatever it is, God, that might have the place that you're supposed to have in my life or in my heart, I ask that you would expose it. I ask God that you would expose it, that you would show me, that you would reveal it to me, that you would expose it, and then you would repent. We would ask the Lord for forgiveness. Then we would ask the Lord to allow us to, to put him in the place that he should have, the rightful place, the place that he deserves, the place that he does. The that he's worthy of and that's first place in our lives ask the lord to help us 
to present our bodies, that bodies means our mind, body, and soul as a living sacrifice to him, that we will be able to give of ourselves completely, not to anyone else or anything else, but to him and him alone. And then everybody else around us, they will be secondary to God. God would rule and reign in our lives because he already rules and reigns on the throne. Okay, glory to God about Shaky. Hallelujah. But he would rule and reign in our hearts and our lives. And we would see the difference. When we put God first, we see the difference. When we live lives that are centered around Christ, it is a difference from when we try to squeeze the Lord in. Our lives look different. When we center our lives around Christ, it is a fruit full life. You can see the hand of God in our life. You see the Lord moving in our lives because he has the rightful place. We're not trying to put anything or anyone above him. We are submitted and yielded to him. Oh, glory to God. We're surrendered to the will and ways of the Lord. And if that is something in this new year that you desire, pray and ask the Lord to help you, help you to surrender and submit to him fully. Be fully yielded to him so you can truly see God work in and with and through you for his glory in the name of Jesus. So with that, I'm just going to close out this just this brief message and this call to self-examination um, this morning. This morning, Excuse me. Today in prayer. Glory to God. God, you are awesome. You're an awesome God. You are the creator of the entire universe. God, I just bless you. God, we just honor you. God, we magnify you. God, we exalt you. Be lifted up, God. Be lifted up in our lives, God. Be lifted high. Be lifted high over our marriages, over our children, over our businesses, over our jobs, over our ministries, God. Be lifted high, God, over any thoughts, God. Be lifted high over any selfish ambitions, over any personal goals. Be lifted high. 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 Be exalted, O Holy One. God, help us to magnify you and exalt you, God. I pray in the name of Jesus that you would use this message, God, to bring us all to our knees, to a place of self-examination, God. That if there will be any idols in our hearts or minds, God, that you would expose it, that we would repent, God, and you would bring us to a place where we would give you, oh, glory to God, give you first place in our lives and in our hearts. God, we love you. We worship you, God. It is in your mighty 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 blessed precious name god that we pray all of these things amen and amen all right ladies so if you have not received the information january 26 at 7 p.m on zoom we're going to have our first for those that are wives or that are engaged. The Lord did allow me to extend it to those who are engaged. Um, we're going to have our first Women of Grace Wives Prayer Circle with our, our our dear sister, Minister Kia. She has been on before, awesome woman of God, anointed Bible teacher, minister, preacher, all things. And so she's going to come on and she's been married, happily married for 16 years. And God is so good. Her marriage is a ministry. And... um she is going to come on and she's going to kick off the 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 um the wise prayer circle with a devotion part one of a devotional on becoming a godly and submissive wife so oh i'm looking forward to that i'm gonna have my notes in my journal i mean for, especially for those of us who are newlyweds but not just us who are newlyweds but those who might be years into the marriage there's still a time to learn and grow and hear what the Lord is saying through his servant and through his beloved teacher, Minister Kia. So we bless him for the anointing on our life. And so with that, I am just going to close out this message. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. God is amazing. Ladies praying for those that are connected to this ministry in Jesus name. Amen.